Hi, welcome to my channel. My name is Lisa Allistway, and I create inspirational and informational videos you can use and apply to your life. My guest today is Susie Seeley. Susie started running at the age of 35 as a hobby and as a way to stay healthy. Three decades later, she has run in over 300 marathons that is taking her all over the world, and she holds two Guinness Book World Records. Her story is one of inspiration, resiliency, grit, and humility. I will be linking her book, This Is The Race, down below in the description box for your reference. Welcome, Susie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into all the running stuff? Well, I started out as an artist and did that for 30 years, um, but in the meantime, I started running just to stay in shape back when my kids were in elementary school. And uh, before you know it, I started adding, accumulating marathons and um, one thing led to another and, and here I am today. So. so that's interesting. You have an artist background, which is very independent, solo work and when you're trying to figure out what type of exercise to do, I guess it makes sense that you would choose a solo activity like running. Is that what kind of drew you to it as well? I did like it because of that. I can go run forever by myself and be totally happy. But, you know, the good part is it brought a lot of friends into my life. And um, and that's a blessing, you know, to have that uh, because, yeah, it, it is a solo sport, but then it's kind of a team sport also you know you travel with people you meet people at races and so it's, yeah. it's good it's a good balance so let's kind of rewind it back to the very beginning how did you get into running so when my son was in elementary school first grade um I was doing aerobics you know the old school aerobics get dressed up and Go over Guitars, to the gym. Jane <laughs> yeah. Fonda. <laughs> yeah. And I was terrible at it. Um, and I could barely make it on time by the time I got the kids dressed and ever to the club. Um, and I got frustrated with it. Everybody was grapevining to the right and I was going to the left. I was just uncoordinated. And um, so I kind of gave up on that. And I was telling my husband, you know, I'm not sure about this. I, and he said, just go out and run around the block. Just put your shoes on and go for a run. And I was, wasn't real thrilled about that. I, I did it, but I just didn't enjoy it. And one day I went to go have lunch with Ryan at his school and I was in my running stuff. Um, and the teacher came over to me and said, oh, you're a runner. And I said, well, no, not really. I really don't, you know, no. And she said, what, I see you running in the neighborhood and you're wearing your running stuff, you know, tell me about it. And I said, well, I just run a couple of miles and it just never feels good. I feel the same or worse than when I start. And just don't get this runner's high thing that everybody talks about. Yeah. And she said, well, you should go try to run a little bit further maybe this weekend and see how that goes. And so I did. 
I went ahead and doubled it. I went ahead and ran five miles and it, I was exhausted, but after about three miles, I started feeling that, mm, that you get past the point of worrying about your breathing and so forth. And you really enjoy the running part of it. So I reported back to her that next week and how well it went and how much I loved it. And um, she said, well, there's the marathon sign up, you know, for the Houston marathon coming up in January, the marathon sign up is in August and it's really fun. They give all this free stuff away at the Memorial park. And, and I was like, Hmm, how far is a marathon? <laughs> and she said, 26 miles. And I said, Oh, she's a little cuckoo. So <laughs> I said, okay, I'll go to the park and see what that's all about. And I ended up signing up, get my free shirt. And, um, so after I signed up, I, you know, ran every day and tried to get the miles in. went by a little, um, chart that was in the Houston Chronicle once a week that Al, coach Al Lawrence had put out and just followed that did no speed work or anything fancy just just running plodding along and uh, that got me through that got me through my first marathon so that is amazing a story of starting off with just not liking running <laughs> and not having a good experience with it I imagine some of my listeners know exactly what you're talking about and really kind of like getting a good tip from somebody that if you just increase a couple more miles, you'll hit those endorphins that you're missing out on. And, exactly. uh, and it is hard to put one foot in front of the other in the beginning, but your body does acclimate to it. And you kind of get to that steady state where it gets a little bit easier, the longer you go, which a lot of people think it's going to be harder, the longer you go, which is not necessarily with, with running. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And the body is an amazing thing. You know, you can, uh, it, your mind controls so much of what your body can actually do. Um, there is the physical aspect of it. You can't go in and, and just run, you know, 26 miles the first day, right. Or you're going to get hurt. But mm -hmm. if you do your increments and you build up, you know, it's amazing what your body can do. Um, yes. even if your mind's telling you, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think it's really interesting. This was at a time when there was not a lot of resources before the internet, before you could Google running clubs or coaches or trainers or proper nutrition before, after, and during running. I mean, like you really were kind of like, I got to figure this all out on my own. <laughs> yeah, that that's right. And I mean, I love laugh because now I get all these, you know, my goos for the run and the, you know, all the bars and all the electrolyte drinks and all the, and back then you had nothing like you, the water stops were literally little cups of water, <laughs> you know, and then they added in Gatorade and that was a huge thing. And then power bars that were like eating cardboard, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it, yeah, they had nothing back then and, and really nothing to, like you said, no research on it that you could find, you know, only for the elite runners, but, yes. um, 
So let's talk about those beginning days of marathons. How did you even learn about them and go about it? Because like I said, they, they weren't exactly advertised left and right. You had to really kind of dig for it. You did. And, you know, without internet, you really, you really had to go by word of mouth. Your friends told you about races. Um, Houston Marathon, of course, was in my backyard. Mm-hmm. I was unaware of it until because I at the time I was living out in spring, which is not really central Houston. So I didn't even realize the Houston Marathon was occurring every year. Wow. But then when when Kristen Ryan's teacher told me about it again, it was word of mouth. You know, I, I, I would have never known if she hadn't told me um, I sure wouldn't have known about the sign up party. But, uh, you know, after that, then I go in town and I start mingling with other runners and meeting people. And then, you know, they tell me about a trail race up in Huntsville State Park. And I'm thinking, well, that sounds kind of fun. So it's it just like building blocks, you know, mm-hmm. and then you go out to run the trail run and you meet other people and start talking to them. And you realize, you know, I met a guy. And we're still really good friends, but I met a a guy at Huntsville State Park. We ran together for a while and um, he was running a marathon every two weeks. And I thought, what in the world? Where would he, you know, and he told me about a marathon in San Antonio and we ended up traveling to San Antonio together to go do this because you know, you didn't have Google maps. You didn't have, Mm -hmm. you had to go find these places, these venues and figure out where to go to pick up your bib. And so it was like a scavenger hunt back then. Yeah. Compared to now. Almost underground, like a, like a subculture. (laughs) And you had to be a part of the club to know what was going on. That's right. It was exactly. That's a good analogy. So you went from running a couple miles, doubling that and then hearing about a marathon and you haven't even run a 5k race, a 10k race, never even heard of those. And you sign up for like the big 26.2 marathon race here in Houston. Tell us about that experience. So I did do the warm-up series. Kristen told me that Houston has a warm-up series and that was very helpful because I went to, I think at the time it was a, hmm, 12k 15k 18 no how did that go it was a 30k a 25k and a 20k and so uh and they had them spaced out every month leading up to the marathon and I'm really thankful I did that because I don't recommend jumping into it with two feet like I did I mean, that doesn't really work for a lot of people. Right. And you could get seriously injured. Yeah. Very, very injured. And it's just not the smart way to do it. But I had no idea what I was doing. So it it, thankfully it worked for me. But um, I went and did the warm up series. And each time that I ran, you know, like the 20K, that was the furthest I'd ever gone. And so I was totally exhausted and spent after the 20, you know, but it encouraged me, you know, as I did these building blocks that I could actually maybe run a little bit further next time. And then I would go do the 25K, which is around 15 miles. 
and same thing. I'd never gone that far before. Um, and it just kind of fueled that fire, you know? Um, and then I ran the 30 K and I remember running that's 18 and a half miles. And I remember running the 30 K a month before Houston marathon. And I had never gone, uh, you know, anywhere close to 18 miles before. And the paramedics were, <laughs> there was an EMT guy riding a bike right next to me. And he kind of just paralleled me for a while. And I thought, oh boy, I must look really bad. <laughs> like, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, am I okay? Um, and he, you know, he, he struck up a conversation with me. The race wasn't that big at the time. And I, you know, he said, are you going to run Houston marathon? And I said, I am, um, hopefully God willing next month, I'm going to be running, you know, Houston marathon. And he said, Oh, if you can get through this race, you can finish the Houston marathon. And I thought, Oh, and it was all I needed that yeah. little those words of encouragement. I can see his face. I, mm. I still hear him saying that. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because every marathon I run to this day um, at 18.6 miles, a little, you know, 18 and a half miles, I think to myself, I've got this now. If, you know, I can get to this distance, I've done the hard part. Now let's just take it home. I can finish. Oh this. my gosh. That gave me chills because it's like he, planted, <laughs> he implanted a chip inside you that I know, like, right? just gave you that extra push that you need to finish. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that goes back to how strong our mind is and really how strong our bodies are if we allow our bodies to do what. God's gifted us to do um, and what you've prepared for, you know, the mind really um, controls a lot of it. And instead of hitting the wall, which sure, I want to walk at mile 20, you know, but my mind won't let me. And I know I'm about to finish and I know everyone around me is hurting the same way mm -hmm. and let's just get this done, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really it's really interesting. So how did it feel to finish your first marathon? So I was so totally spent, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I finished and Houston always does the finish line really well. There's lots of cheering on either side. And even though you, you really want to walk, <laughs> you didn't want to just cry. Mm -hmm. um, you finished strong. And once I crossed that line, I thought, oh, well, that was good. I'm done with that. And I could barely get up on the curb and the volunteers were helping me and they were asking me if I was okay. And so I must've looked pretty rough, but, uh, I went in and I couldn't eat anything, you know, none of the snacks they had for post race. I was like, Oh, it's a little <laughs> nauseous. And, you know, yeah. I kind of fell apart. I had never gone past my 18 miles. So it was, you know, very taxing on, on me physically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went home and took a shower and got in the fetal position in bed. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't wake me up. Um, but, uh, you know, then after I got up, I thought, that was pretty fabulous. You know, like that was really exciting. I couldn't walk for about two weeks, but 
Wow. You know, once, once I recovered and got my legs rolling again, I didn't run for a while, but then I was looking for other marathons to do, you know, it was just like, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. You know, the whole, it's kind of like living life. When you run a marathon, you start Mm. out and you're, you're all prepared. You're ready to go. You're mentally, let's do this. Everybody is cheering, high-fiving each other. And then you get to mile six and you're like, not sure how this is going to roll. And then you get halfway through and you're like, I, I'm only halfway. <laughs> and then you have to change that mind and say, I'm already halfway. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then you get to mile 18 and I hear that guy saying, if you can do this distance, you can get a marathon done, you know, and then everything goes into slow motion and you have to continually talk yourself into finishing and it's, it's, uh, and then you finish and it's like, oh, that was really fun. Let's do this again. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So I know that you have run uh, hundreds and hundreds of marathons all over the world. So you went from the Houston marathon, one marathon. Most people would say that's enough. Check. I'm done. Uh, but you're, you were like, when's the next, when's the next. So tell us a little bit about your journey of running all over the world. So I did do that first Houston and you're right. You know, some people are, it's either one and done or, that was great. Let's do this again, you know, and I was the second. So I, I planned for Houston the next year. Um, I really didn't know of any other marathons. Well, um, the third Houston that I did, um, and I just kind of stayed in marathon shape as soon as I recovered and, you know, I got back into running on a, kept my base going, Mm -hmm. uh, all year. And so I ran my second marathon in Houston. And then the third marathon was a quirk, um, freeze storm that we had come through and, you know, everybody wears all their warm up stuff, throw, throw down things that you can throw on the sidelines. Um, after you get warmed up, well, I kept mine on the whole entire race. I was so cold. My husband would meet me at different places with the kids and they would take my wet, cold gloves and put them on the heater and switch out. And I put on more wet, cold gloves, <laughs> you know, but psychologically it was like, I've got to get to the next gloves, <laughs> but uh, it was so cold. I had ice forming on my hat and on my eyelashes. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, you know, you train all year long and you get to your race and it could be completely destroyed by weather. You know, that can go either way. It can be really cold or really hot. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to run in cold weather. I couldn't breathe. Everybody was slipping on the, you know, the sleet on the ground. And, and I thought there has to be something warmer. Mm-hmm. And so I went and found the Pensacola marathon. That was my next marathon outside of Houston. Mm-hmm. I thought that Florida has to be warmer than Houston. So we went to Pensacola. I went with my husband and I ran that marathon. And um, that started my, you know, 
journey outside, that was a month after my third Houston. And so I thought, well, that just makes sense. Instead of doing long runs, you could just go run another marathon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Made sense to me at the time. And it's and, also uh, motivating, like and it's goal-wise. Mo- yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just kind of stay signed up for the next race. And that keeps me getting up in the morning, keeps me training, keeps my eye on the ball, so to speak. But mm-hmm. um, so that branched, you know, it got me out of Houston and out of just running, you know, only the Houston marathon. And then I found other races around here that you could drive to like San Antonio, um, Huntsville state park, Dallas. I did a lot of, uh, a lot of marathons in Dallas and, uh, it was all by word of mouth. You know, my friends would tell me, Oh, I, ran this marathon in Dallas, you need to go run this one. Mm-hmm. And so I'd take off and, and go do that one next. And so. And then you met somebody in Kingwood, which is a suburb here of Houston that um, yeah. started a 50 state marathon uh, group or organization. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I met um, Steve and Paula Boone. They started the 50 states marathon club. Um, actually, I uh, gone to run Boston. And at this point I was running marathons every couple of weeks, but they were all very close by, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'd run Boston, my first Boston and six days later was San Antonio and I'd run San Antonio before. So I didn't want to miss it. <laughs> and I thought, Oh, I can do that. I've been running, you know, every couple of weeks. Well, six days later really didn't work too well. And I didn't have a kill switch back then. So I just kind of ran my race in San Antonio. And when I finished, and it was a hot day, when I finished, I was so nauseous. I laid on the ground and I had gone up there with a friend of mine that I'd met up in Huntsville. Anyway, he, he wasn't in yet. So I laid on the ground to wait for Ray and I see this face this angel, <laughs> you know, looking down at me and she said, are you okay? And I said, I've been better before, but I'm okay. I don't feel very good. And she said, Oh, have you eaten anything? I said, Oh, there's no way, no way I can eat it. And she said, well, here, she sat down next to me and she said, eat these crackers. And that was Paula Boone. Um, and when we started, you know, talking and she told me who she was and what she was doing in the state club. And I said, well, I, I'm nowhere near, you know, she said, you need 10 states to join the club. And I didn't have that many at that point, but um, you know, once you get 10 states, then I joined the 50 state club and they've been really sweet friends for help 25 years now. So oh, that's such an amazing way to go about doing it because it gives you not only opportunity, the challenge of having, you know, a marathon to look forward to, but it's also in a new place that you get to discover and explore. And that can be yes. quite inspiring and motivating. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's exciting. Um, I really didn't have a goal to finish the 50 states right away, but um, since they were friends of mine, I joined the club, you know, after 10 mm-hmm. states. 
And I got 10 states fairly quickly, you know, just going to Louisiana and, um, you know, Boston, Massachusetts, and I'd done Florida and we went out to California. We just kind of picked and choose, you know, marathons that would be fun to yeah. go, go to places that would be fun to go to. Cause I really didn't travel before running. And, um, anyway, I had a fear of flying that I had gotten, um, I was fine until we went to Mexico one time just for a weekend getaway and came back and there was a tropical storm out in the Gulf mm. and it was a very rough ride. I, I don't think they really probably should have been flying with us, <laughs> but um, back then we were flying right, right around it. And uh, I was playing off of the flight attendants and one flight attendant kind of panicked and ran back to her seat. And with that, I had a little panic attack and I never could get over that, you know, and flying was very difficult for me for a long time. Mm. And until I just learned to put my trust in the Lord and, um, you know, my walk with the Lord was getting stronger at that point. Um, and so I just kind of learned to overcome that fear of flying by relying on him more. So, Fantastic. So you yeah. accomplished the 50 states, you did marathons in all 50 states. And what was your next thought? Well, you know, you finished the 50 states and you work well, I, I worked on it for so long. Some people finish it a lot quicker than I did, but I really didn't focus on that until I was about halfway through the States. And that had taken me, you know, 15 years <laughs> because I really didn't have that as a goal. You just kind of accumulate States. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like, might as well get this done. Yeah. And, um, by the time I finished, uh, it was, it was kind of like going to a cliff and getting ready to jump off and then you jump off and then it's like, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> you know, cause you'd had this goal in the back of your mind for so long. Mm -hmm. And so when I finished the States, um, a friend came to me and said, have you ever considered Antarctica? I found I know that sounds a little nutty, <laughs> um, but uh, I said, no, absolutely not. It's really cold there. And the only way you could get to Antarctica to run a marathon was um, w in a boat. And I don't do well with motion. I said, I just can't do that. And she said, no, I found out about this new travel company that you can fly over there and then run a marathon and then fly back to South America. And I said, Oh, well, I'm kind of interested in that. That would be kind of cool. And um, so then once I went and ran Antarctica, wow. I figured that we did a double, we did South America, ran a marathon in South America and then ran a marathon in Antarctica. And I thought, well, there's only seven continents. So I'm, I'm like, I have three out of four, you know, <laughs> and I've done the really hard one, right? Yeah. Getting to well, Antarctica. What was the and temperature? So that was my next. 
What was the temperature in Antarctica when you were running? Well, the first year I ran it um, was perfect conditions, actually. Uh, you don't think it is at the time because it's so cold, but it was like a, a really cold day in Houston. Okay. Um, I wore tights and doubled my shirt, wore a Barbie headband around my ears and gloves uh-huh. and hand warmers. And that was, you know, that's what you wear when it's really cold here. Yeah. Um, I think the temperature was probably around 15 to 20 degrees. And you were running but- on snow, like packed snow? It, it's a very technical trail and we okay. had no idea it, it was a re- really surreal experience, but, um, it was hilly, which I did not expect. I thought, I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking yeah. like smooth, smooth snow the whole way. Yeah. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but it was rocky and icy and, um, snowy. And where the snow had started to melt, it was muddy. Mm. And so you got a mix of everything, but it was a very technical trail run, um, which kind of surprised me. But, uh, and it changes every year. So uh, according to the, you know, the weather and what they've had come through. um, The second year I ran it, it was much colder because it was windy and the okay. wind is a game changer there. Okay. The wind brought it below zero and people were hallucinating and, um, you know, getting pulled from the course and, and oh, that kind wow. of, thing. yeah, wow. it was kind of like, Oh, my. sounds kind of dangerous. It, it felt dangerous the second year. Yeah. And that's when I realized the first year was really ideal conditions. Yeah. So yeah, you, uh, so. so did you run in all seven continents? I have. Yes. Um, you know, when people started realizing that I like to travel mm-hmm. and, and go to different places and explore, um, people would come up to me, you know, like Patty did with Antarctica. Um, And then I had somebody come up to me, Latasha came up to me and said, if you ever go to Africa, I really want to go because I want to go on some safaris. That's like a life, a bucket list. Yes. And she goes, I'll I'll run a marathon. If you find a marathon, I'll find the safaris and we'll make a trip of it. And so the next thing I know I'm planning Africa. (laughs) and it just went on from there you know um went to go yeah so very very cool um so I know that you have won two world Guinness records um can you tell us what those were yes um I approached Guinness wanting a world record um people had you know told me um you're sub four, you, you run sub fours all the time for a female. That's, that's fairly fast. What, what is sub four? Um, a marathon under four hours. Okay. Under four hours. So I was running, you know, I'm slower now, of course, but I was running, you know, three, three, 15, three, 18, three twenties, 
And so I was racking up all these marathons under four hours. And, you know, people would ask me, how many of these do you have? And I'd add them up and it'd be like at 180 sub four marathons. And um, then people, uh, I had a couple of guys that said that has to be a world record. And I'm like, I have no idea. So I started looking around and worldwide trying to find lists of, you know, people that ran a lot of marathons, people that there's a, there's actually a group called the 50 sub four group. Um, And I looked at them and I contacted the, you know, director of that um, group. And I said, do you know of anyone that's run, you know, more than like 150 sub four marathons and nobody could come up with it. There's nobody that's done it. So I contacted Guinness and I said, you know, I I have all the credentials. I have all my paperwork and proof to, you know, that I've run all these marathons under four hours. And I'd like to have, you know, the world record for that. And they denied me on, on that saying that it was not a uh, challengeable uh, world record. Guinness likes uh, records that you can put on their website. And if you want to challenge that record, you can press on a button and it pops up what you need to, what you need to beat basically. Mm-hmm. And with mine, there's no one else that comes close. So they said, it's, you know, nobody's going to challenge this. So yeah, no, we don't want that. Mm. <laughs> um, and, but the lady uh, that I met with uh, online at Guinness in, in London, um, we were going back and forth and, and she was very nice in the end. Um, and she came up with an idea for me to, uh, get another world record in, um, another category that was an aggregate time for the fastest time to run a marathon in each of the 50 States done by a woman. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is add up all my, you know, they take my fastest marathon time in each state and they add it up and the cumulative time gives you an aggregate time, um, and that's a little bit more challengeable, you know, somebody that's run the 50 States and they may be faster. They can press on that button and challenge my, so I got that Guinness record. And then um, there's another, a world record Academy. They also do world records. They're not as well known as Guinness. Guinness kind of is the, one that everyone knows, Um, but World Record Academy, in the meantime, I had presented all my records for, you know, the sub four marathons. And at this point it was at like 210 uh, sub four marathons. I think I'm at 219 or something like that now, but I presented it to him and he said, oh, heck yeah, that's definitely a world record. And he presented the world record to me, to me for that. So that's amazing. You should be very proud. Congratulations. Oh, that, that is so cool that, uh, you know, your story is just from, okay, what can I do to stay in shape and to, 
hey, ultimate goal of world records. I mean, that's amazing. Well, you know, I hope it's encouraging um, to other people that if you just stick with your passion and what, whatever that passion is, whether it's running or piano playing or, you know, tennis playing or anything, if you stick to it and build those blocks, it's amazing what you can, what you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, Defin- definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about advice for running. Um, what would you say to somebody starting off and also maybe your older runners that are, you know, still trying to keep running in their senior years? Um, listen to your body. That's <laughs> that great advice. For, <laughs> that goes for anyone. And I joke yeah. about having a kill switch. But, you know, I've been in the middle of a 5K and my hamstring is tight. And instead of pushing through, I stop and go to the side. And, you know, it's just not worth the long, you know, it's just not worth that race for staying in it in the long Mm -hmm. run. Um, You've just got to listen to your body. If you're feeling tired or if it's just not your day move on to the next day, wait, get some sleep. You know, um, if you're feeling tight, maybe you're a little dehydrated, your body tells you really what you need to do and when Mm -hmm. you need to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I always think about like, um, as I've gotten older with exercise and, uh, some of the things that I could do in my twenties, I can't keep up within my forties. So my, my motivating mantra that I think a lot of times is progress, not perfection. Right. That's a good one. Yeah. So if my uh, strength training program, or if I'm doing something and it's not up to what maybe I used to could do, that's okay. It's, it's better than what I was doing yesterday. So progress, progress is important, not necessarily perfection. That's right. Yeah. That's very true. You know, and you can't compare, you know, it's, it's very hard for me not to not compare. Mm. Like if I ran the Boston marathon. Now it's not going to be what I ran 20 years ago there. Yes, And it's, it's hard to not compare your times with what you've done in the past, but you know, you're moving forward every day you're moving forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, you're building blocks and, uh, getting stronger, you know, you just have to, you have to there you go. work. Yeah. Thanks. You have to work harder as you get older. Yes. To ma- even maintain. Mm-hmm. And that sounds negative, but I don't consider that a negative. You know, mm-hmm. I have more time now than I had when the kids were smaller. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can work a little bit harder. I've incorporated speed work, um, you know, weight training, um, mm-hmm. And, and you just work a little bit harder, add a few things to, as you can, mm-hmm. um, to eat, to maintain and, mm-hmm. and progress. So, yes, I think, uh, that's a really key point about not comparing yourself to the past because you're only working with the best version you are today. And that's right. That's what you have to focus on. So wherever you're at today, what is the best that you can do today? You know, that's right. That's right. 
you know, and it's funny because when I go run a marathon and I'm not having such a good day and I'm struggling and I get to the, you know, I finish it. And, um, and now that all the results are online Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think I've never really worried about what people thought, but you kind of think, you know, I've had people come up and ask me, are you okay? What happened on that one? And I'm thinking, they have no idea, you know, like if you've yeah. been injured or if you've been sick the yeah. day before or what yeah. the conditions were like for the race, you've just got to know that you toe the line and do the best that God has given you that day. That's, that's all you can do. And, um, and that's always good. That's yeah. always good. I think, I think that's interesting because a lot of times we like try to box in athletes, especially like professional athletes or elite athletes and yeah. expect them to perform at that level all the time. But everybody's human. I mean, everybody has, you know, a point that they're going to reach, especially with the aging process. So right. just be the, the physically elite athlete at 60, at 70 and don't, you know, right. have the comparisons. Right. And, you know, you always have your, I, I'm competing against women and men that I've competed against for 35 years in Houston, 30 years in Houston. Yeah. And they just keep aging up with me. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a good standard of comparison too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, if they can keep, I can too, you know, Mm -hmm. it's encouraging to have, you know, that, but, um, you're always competing. I'm always competing with myself. Right. But at a certain point, you know, you, you can't really compete with yourself. You've just got to move forward and do the best you can do mm-hmm. for this year and know mm-hmm. that that's pretty darn good for your age group. Yes, you know? yes, definitely. I would, I would seek out those people in my peer group, in my cohort that, you know, um, are aging gracefully that are going down this path of life, you know, yeah. um, healthily. And that's what I would try to role model my own behaviors after. Yes. Yes, for sure. That's, that's a very healthy way to do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, so you wrote a book, um, can you tell us a little bit about what your book is about and, um, anything you want to add to that? So that wasn't a goal either or intention, but people kept saying, you know, I get all these stories from my trips. I'd come back and tell, you know, everybody at Memorial Park, when I'd go run with my group, I'd tell them different crazy stories on things that would happen, you know, and they kept telling me, you need to write a book. (laughs) And I was like, nah, probably won't happen. And um, then I started thinking, maybe that's a good idea to put all these stories down um, before I forget details and I have three grandkids now and I'm, and they need to know, you know, in another 15, 20 years, they may be interested in what Gigi did. Um, And I really did the book for family and close friends that, you know, the stories, they, they were included in the stories. And I thought, well, you know, that'll be, that'll be that I'll, I'll put it down on paper and then I won't have to worry about that. It'll be set 
there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, two years later, <laughs> it took a little bit of time. It, it was amazing what what's involved in writing a book. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you start one chapter at a time and just like one sense. mile at a time, <laughs> just one mile at a time. And that's right. And, um, do it in small increments. And I thought at this rate, you know, I'll have it done in about 10 years, <laughs> but after, you know, with COVID and 2020, I had a little extra time. And so it came together pretty nicely. Um, and I, I tried to make, you know, sense of all the stories together and incorporating nutrition, my nutritional journey, um, because I had a lot of nutritional problems at the beginning um, and my walk with God and how that uh, progressed along with my running. Um, And voila, you know, I have a book. So uh, hopefully it's encouraging to people that you don't start like I had no idea when I first started running that, you know, my life would be so full of all of these running friends and lifelong friends and acquaintances and running partners and travels and, um, you know, World you just, records. <laughs> just do it, you know one increment at a time, but anyway, I, Fantastic. Uh, so yeah. you, um, your story is definitely inspiring and, uh, definitely one of grit and humility. Like I mentioned at the <laughs> beginning with the bio, and, uh, I think it's awesome what you've accomplished and Thank that you. you're sharing it with us. Um, and hopefully somebody that's watching this video today, you know, a seed was planted and they'll be like, you know what, I'll go out and run a mile today after seeing this video yeah. and see what it turns yeah. into. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I could hope for. Yeah, definitely. Well, if you guys like this video, please give it a thumbs up and uh, don't forget to leave a comment down below. We'd love to hear your feedback and please subscribe and hit the bell to be alerted to when the next video drops. Thanks, Susie. Thank you, Lisa. Have a good one. You too.